The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union, with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org. And the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars. This is Duly Noted, everything Florida Gators, with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, and welcome into another edition of the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on or downloading it. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll be joined a little bit later by my, my good friend Frank Frangie uh, from uh, 1010XL up in Jacksonville and, of course, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk a little Jaguars with him. Obviously, big news with them uh, hiring an offensive coordinator and Jay Gruden. Uh, but we'll also talk some Gator football and basketball with Frank. Always look forward to talking to him. Frank and I have been lo- friends for a long time. Very good friend of our family as well. Appreciate everybody for listening and some of you are probably wishing you could call in and vent your frustrations because uh florida loses tuesday night and it was a very very difficult loss uh the gators of course played a stretch of basketball where they looked awful um and i may need to change my i have i have this thing in my head where if a team is down if a team is down I think it's 10 points with or nine points with 50 seconds or less. I know they can still come back. Well, now I may have a new one because Florida being down the way they were uh, with a, with a minute and really a minute 20 to go and to come back and, and almost tie that game, have a chance, have the ball with a chance to tie, have a chance, have the ball with a chance to take a lead. And then of course we know what happened at the end. First of all, uh, I don't think this team went through a lot of adversity to get to this game, but this team has been through a lot of adversity all year, and I've talked a lot about it. Uh, how it, it, I think it's weathered them, their non conference schedule, all the traveling they did. So they get five hours on the ground in Gainesville, mechanical problems with the plane. And then, of course, now you're on a plane, you're probably a little bit nervous getting on a plane that's had mechanical problems or if they brought a new one in. I don't, I'm not sure. You're, you may have a little bit of nerves there, but anyway, you get in at midnight into baton rouge you've got your best player your star player is uh have violent uh from what i was told uh flu and uh gives it a go and and fights through it and plays hard and you're you've got another your lead point guard who's been so vital to the team is still recovering from the flu but i don't think that has anything to do with anything that happened they came out and they started out great they look great you know, Blackshear hits back-to-back threes. You're like, what? All right, is it going to be that kind of game? And they played a, a pretty good first half. Uh, and then about halfway through the second half, they just seemed to fall apart. Uh, the, their turnovers always seemed to lead to points on the other end. Quest Glover really hurt him in the first half with, with some of his turnovers and some of his shot selection. Um, he needs to get better. He needs to get smarter. There's no question about it. But he's a little guy, and it's sometimes um, – you know, he got a little smarter in the second half breaking that press. But then it comes down to, well, this game is over. Now, what I did not realize before that game is this game was for the national championship. I didn't know it until I saw how much Will Wade, the cheater, was celebrating after after made plays. He's a nut. He is an absolute lunatic. He makes Bruce Pearl look like he's comatose. Uh, that was a little bit over the top. But you know what? 
this goes back to what I talk about all the time. You have to understand you're the Gators. You're a big deal. It's a big deal when Florida comes to town in any sport now, except women's basketball probably. And and it, you're you're playing against the Gators of the past. You're playing against the ghosts of all these great players. And Florida, and I did a column on this about, gosh, it feels like 10, 12 years ago, about why Florida's the most hated team in the SEC, hated program. And there were a lot of reasons for it. I remember Coach Spurrier called me afterwards and said, no, you missed this one. You, you missed. He had a bunch of because he knows. And they are, that's something you've got to understand. And you, I think fans understand that. Florida's the most hated program overall in the SEC because they're good and they live in Florida. They're outsiders. There are way fewer um, gun racks and, you know uh, – I mean, Florida's a, don't get me wrong, Florida is a very southern state, but it's it's a different clientele because it's so mixed. You obviously have South Florida's nothing like Central Florida, which is nothing like North Central Florida, which is nothing like the Panhandle. There's, for one state, it's got so many diverse things, and I think that that's part of it, too. I don't think people, um, I think that's one reason fans of other teams really hate florida but we have to really understand that has nothing to do with winning and losing games i didn't think that crowd last night was that big a factor uh they didn't show up till late and the first half was almost dead but the but they're playing against the gators and it's a big deal to play against the gators is it a big big deal to play against alabama football absolutely is it a big deal to play against kentucky basketball sure but it's always a big deal to play against the gators and everything and sometimes players have to realize that, the intensity level you're going to go up against. So that's a long lecture that has nothing to do with why they lost the game. They lost the game because they didn't play well during a long stretch, and they fell way behind. And then one of the great comebacks of all time, and you are correct, sir, I did not see it. I turned it off at 110 to go, down – were they down 9 or 10 at that point? Maybe 11. And I turned it off. I flipped it over to something else. And then Kelsey called me because she was mad at Scotty Lewis and uh, for stepping out of bounds. And again, guys make mistakes. Guys slip. It, it, you know, I have no problem with anybody on this team in terms of their effort level and what they're trying to get done. And um, turn it back just in time to see Keontae Johnson's shot go in. I'm like, holy cow, this is one of the greatest comebacks. This team has shown, once again, it has the grit. It came back from way down against Alabama. It came back from the impossible against LSU on the road. This team's got the grit, and now they're going to overtime, and LSU's got foul trouble. They can win it in overtime, but I never moved. I never moved from that recliner because I said, I'm still not sure that ball was good. I'm not sure. And when you look at it, just might have been grazing his fingertips as as it was released. There's nothing you can do about it. It, it It's a tough call. They looked at the monitor. They're convinced 100% he missed it or he didn't get it up in time. And that's the way it is. And so you lose a game that was important to win. Now, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. The Fire Mike White crowd, I'm going to get to them. I'm going to get to a lot of other things. And then we'll get to what happened at Kansas kansas state last night which was crazy and we will get to some football college football stuff uh, as well as some super bowl talk so all that and more coming up it's time to take a break though here on the duly noted podcast at gatorsports.com 
At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch. An online or phone chat for those quick questions. And a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Tailgates and Gator Winds call for the best cigars available from around the world. Pick your sticks today and save at the Florida family-owned site, thehumidor.com. Get free shipping on every cigar order. Find boxes from the biggest brands, samplers hand-selected by top tobacconists, or pick your own single sticks. Thehumidor.com, going the distance for fine cigars. Welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody. Uh, we uh, want to continue to talk about this game and, and, and the Fire Mike, Mike, Fire Mike White crowd, which we has become kind of a cliche in college basketball, or not college basketball, but in Florida basketball this year because of Twitter and other sources of social media, message boards and that, and that's Look, that's part of the negative part of our technology now is the instant reaction rather than let it sit for a night and think about it a little bit more. And I get it. Um, I saw a lot of negative people. There, In fact, I, I have to be honest with you, I unfollowed a few people last night, not because they were profane or not because I dis- totally disagree with their opinion. It just wears you down after a while. You know, um, they lost a game. This this is important to note. I saw this this tweet, and I, I started to respond to it, but I don't want to get into Twitter wars. Twitter wars are not held. They don't. They're not good for anybody. Okay. So this was the tweet that somebody had, and he said that Florida had blown it by not capitalizing on the momentum that uh, they got with the Auburn win, and they've lost to a average. LSU team. Now, your definition of average and mine are a little different. Okay, LSU now has won 22 of its last 24 SEC games. They're undefeated in the league. They're 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 six and zero. That's not average, not in my book. And and I will say this: I think last night's game. I'm not going to defend the way Florida played. I don't think they played well for a lot of the game. And in spots they played great. Uh, and other spots they didn't. That's what they are. They're they're Ron Zook. You know, Ron Zook could be the inconsistent within a game. Ron, the, the the when he got fired at Illinois, I never forget. He went six and zero his last year, and then went zero and six the rest of the way. And I'm like, what did you expect? That's him up and down. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, I have nothing against Ron, but but that's the way he was. There was an inconsistency about Florida, and that's the way this basketball team is right now. Now, I'm certainly not comparing Mike White to Ron Zook. I think Mike White is a is a really good coach, and I, I would calm everybody down, except they're uncommable. When they lose a game, it's the end of the world. we got to get rid of the guy. When they win a game, I told you he's better than everybody thought. It's neither one. If you, either you think Mike White is a good coach and he's still trying to figure things out with his team and he can't understand why Quez Glover can't dribble up the court and why they've had so many backcourt turnovers and and 
why guys didn't block out on block out on certain plays. You know, people talk about the hustle spat, stats as being, um, you know, more offensive rebounds, more than anything. Sometimes balls just go wide, and when they go wide, you're more like if you're boxing out, you're not going to get them. I think that's a, a misunderstood stat. But anyway, I will tell you why Florida lost to LSU right now. Florida lost to LSU because it was a bad matchup because LSU comes at you with all these small forwards. They just keep coming at you with small forwards. Some of them are as big as 6'6", like Emmett Williams, but he plays like he's 6'9", and they drive the ball to the basket. Everybody was upset about the foul discrepancy after the game. Sure, it was there. It will be there once they play again because they're driving the ball to the basket all the time. They didn't take a ton of threes. They didn't make many, but they they were constantly driving the ball to the basket. And when you're driving the ball to the basket, the ball's around um, around the hoop, you're going to get more fouls. That's just the way it works. I mean, LSU's a hard matchup for Florida because Florida's not – they're athletic in some spots. Obviously, Scotty Lewis is very athletic defending. Keontae Johnson's very athletic, but he had foul trouble last night, and he's been having a problem with that lately. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, Payne and Blackshear give you something in the middle there. But, you know, uh, some of their guys aren't the most athletic in the world, and, and it's not hard for a 6'5 guy to take, as they were doing last night, Quez Glover to the hole. Um, so you've got to, you know, got to figure out a way. But still, Florida went on the road, lost by two points to an undefeated SEC team, that never loses in the SEC under this guy, who's not my favorite, as you may have been able to tell in the first half of this show, still made a gr- gritty, gutty comeback. If Florida, let's say they count that shot, okay? If they count that shot, Florida in, this, in, in overtime, because of foul trouble on LSU, pulls the game out, wins by three. Everybody's happy today. Everybody's like, Mike White is getting it done. He's figured things out. They have won uh, two straight games against really good teams. Their RPI, their their net ranking is really high. Oh, man, the Gators. That's what everybody's saying. But because they disallow the shot, and I'm not saying it was the wrong call. I couldn't tell. I looked at it 100 times. And I know there was a clock over there to the side that said .02 or whatever. It doesn't matter. The official clock is kept by the officials. Um, that's all that matters. All that matters is that it was ruled no good, okay? But because it was, now everybody's mad. It's the way it is. It's the way it is with fans, and I get that. And that's fine. And you guys are welcome to vent. You have so many opportunities to vent. You can never say, you know, my problem as a college football fan, as a fan of the Florida Gators, or as a fan of the Georgia Bulldogs, or a fan of the Alabama Crimson Tide. My problem is I can't get it out. I can't get my feelings out there to anybody. If that's your problem, you need to get electricity. Okay? You can tweet. You can post on Facebook. You can call. You can email. You can go on Fine Bomb. You can Go on other radio shows in the area. You can do all that. You've got so many chances, and you do, and that's fine. Nobody's saying you shouldn't. But if you really think Florida should f- go find another coach, I- I'm going to say this one more time. You're wasting your breath, okay? How about this? The last four games, 
between Florida and LSU. Florida has outscored LSU 294 to 293. They have been incredible games. Two overtime games last year. Each team won on the road. Florida beat them on a buzzer beater with them hard last year in the, in the SEC tournament. And then this game that came down to that. So it uh, tough loss. Um, you know, I think it's a hard one to shake off if you're a fan. I get that. We'll see what they can do Saturday, obviously, against Baylor. This wasn't a must-win. My feeling was going into this three-game stretch against three really good teams in terms of net rankings that would help you tremendously. Um, you could not – well, first of all, you could not get bageled. You could not get shut out. You were probably if, – if you got shut out, you were probably looking at, well, this season's not going to end well you know, in terms of getting to the tournament. So they've already won the one. They lost on the road by two. We'll see what they do against Baylor. Baylor's the best of these two teams. And that goes back – again, I, I, I wanted – I talked about the matchup. Auburn was a great matchup for Florida. I know Auburn was ranked where they were, but Auburn was a great matchup because they didn't have that second big. And and I wrote about that on uh, Saturday. They didn't have that second guy to box out Omar Payne. So what does he do? He goes for 19 and 11. They're trying to focus on Blackshear, and, even, and he still gets 16 boards. And so Florida won that game and won it fairly easy going away. At any rate. We'll see what happens. Again, this is a long season. You know, I, I think I said this the other day. It's it's kind of weird because it, I've said this before. It's not football, okay, where you lose a game and it's over. Yeah, oh, my God, we can't go to the playoffs or we lose two games. I don't know if we're going to get to a good bowl. It's not football, but it, it has felt like football this year. With every game, every game has felt like it was. They got to win this game. If they lose this game, it's going to be all over. Mark Wise says it best, and I think we're going to get Mark on maybe two weeks. I think that's the plan. He has a, obviously busy. In fact, he had the Tennessee game last night, uh, but we're going to get him on. But he he said it best. Just enjoy the journey. It's going to have ups and downs. Enjoy the journey. Have fun with it. Um, they did not enjoy the journey if they were on the sidelines for the Kansas-Kansas State game, and by now you guys all know all about it. But in fact, by now you may already know what the punishments are going to be. But it was an ugly, ugly scene. And, uh, you know, for Silvio de Souza to raise a chair in the air, that to me, I, if, if they came down and said suspended for the rest of the year, I would have no problem with that. Because once you raise that chair in the air, you are holding a an object that you can do a lot of damage with, and there is and you had to be stopped. And that that to me would be, I, I would think the rest of the year would be fine with me. We'll see what all the penalties are. There's going to be a lot of guys. In fact, I heard this question, uh, or not question, but this this was Holly Rowe, and she was talking about it. And she's got the Kansas because Kansas plays Tennessee Saturday in that Big Twelve SEC Challenge, and she was saying how um, you know they it's going to be interesting to see if they have enough players because if you if you suspend everybody who was in that fight and or left the bench or any, you you're not going to have anybody to play, so they're going they may have to stagger them. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. And um, Holly was also saying that she felt like DeSouza was defending himself. Nah, 
Hey, look, if you stick your dukes out and say, come on, if, if you're going to, you know, that's one thing. You take a chair and threaten to hit somebody with it, that's abuse. I mean, you're, you know, I, I'm not saying they, they should go to jail. I'm just saying you don't, you don't need to be playing basketball. And, of course, some of the overreaction, I mean, you, look, I'm saying this, and I'm going to explain to you how some people are overreacting, which is, is hard to believe. But, you know, Seth Greenberg saying it's a it's – a, it's embarrassing. It's a it's a slight on all of us who've ever coached. And I'm like, what? Nah, no, it's not. You think Lon Kruger's going, uh, well, I coached at Kansas State one time a long, long time ago. Am I to blame for this? No, it's it's not. It's it's a bad look for Kansas, and it's a bad look for Kansas State, and mostly for Kansas because of Kansas's recent history. Of course, the Snoop Dogg thing, which, okay, it was ridiculous and it was stupid and it was dumb of them to do. I get that. Was it was it a serious breach of our trust? No. But the other stuff is, with the wiretaps and the FBI and everything, and then to pile, it up, pile on it with this fight, I wonder if when – now, I would guess the Big 12 is going to make this decision – and not the NCAA, because usually what you say is, you guys go ahead and do it. And and if you want to talk about what we think you should do, that's fine. You guys go ahead and do it. But if we don't like what you do, we're going to come in harder. And usually they understand, and they're very punitive. So we'll see where that all goes. And, of course, as we said, the Big 12 SEC Challenge, be interesting to see how the conference does, because the conference hasn't been great this year. Let's face it, just hasn't been that great. Um, and we'll see how, it, you know, again, it, it can kind of get back in the good graces of, of, of the uh, college basketball world if it has a winning record against the Big 12 and the games that are being played. Uh, Florida, of course, with Baylor. And, uh, you know, there's some good matchups that, that favor the SEC. I think LSU, I think they have Texas, right? Um, the way Texas is playing, that's that favors LSU. So, um, anyway, so that, we have that and that. Now, now let's talk a little football. Always good to talk some football. Uh, the news this week was Kadarius Tony coming out and saying, look, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not coming out. I'm going to stay in school, try to do some good things. I think that was, a, you know, again, it's his choice. I'm, I'm never going to say whether it was a good choice, a bad choice, a smart choice. There are 99 players who declared for the draft as underclassmen. Not all of them are going to get drafted. Not all of them are even going to see camps. Not all of them are going to ever play in a game. But it's their choice. And, you know, it's sometimes it's you just don't want to do it anymore. You don't want to do it at where you're at. You don't want to play. You don't want to work that, do that work and not get paid for it. Or you don't like school. Or maybe. There's a, maybe you've got family issues where you need to start working, and if you'd like to hope it's the NFL and you get a nice check and you can really help your family out. So I have no problem, as you know, with people going out. I think for Kadarius Tony, it gives Florida another weapon, and it'll be really interesting to see how they use it. I mentioned this uh, in my column the other day. I'd like to see them line him up at tailback a couple of times. I'd like look. There are because of his injury. I think it, and, and because don't forget he got hurt in that. It was was it UT Martin the second game? Isn't that where he got hurt? Yeah, and and then was out for six games. So really, he was out effectively for seven. And you know, I mean, 
that certainly set him back. And you and and so you had that, and then you had Florida changing its game plan with Kyle Trask coming in the next week and taking over the offense, and it and everything changed. So even though they you could say they didn't use him properly, I think they didn't have a whole lot of choices because even when he came back, he wasn't sharp. Uh, but I think this year, if he can stay healthy. They have a chance to do some really cool things with him. And look, I could draw him up the plays for Coach Mullen. I think he'd actually like them. I have some good plays in mind. But I'd line him up there at tailback like Percy Harvin used to. He ain't Percy Harvin. We know that. There's not only one Percy Harvin, man. He was he was a special player. But I'd still try some things like that where you lined him up there and maybe ran that misdirection. Uh, handoff, you know, that they, he ran the Arkansas game, the SEC championship, um, and have him throw the ball a little bit more. See, to me, Florida's if Florida's really good next year, it'll be because Emory Jones and Kadarius Toney end up with 25 passes between them. Okay? I would like to see it even higher. But I think they've got to take advantage of the fact that when they're in the game, people are going to look, oh, we got to come up, they're going to run the ball, and these guys are, can throw the ball effectively. So I am telling Dan Mullen exactly what he needs to do. If he'll just listen to me, he'll be okay. Uh, they did name, they did announce the spring game. It is April 18th. It is the week after the Masters. I am so happy. The Masters is my favorite sporting event to watch on television better than the final four better than march madness the first weekend better than nfl wild card sunday better than the college football playoffs it is my favorite doesn't mean i'm right it just means that's when it is so it'll will be the 18th i'm sure there'll probably be a i didn't even look to see if there's a baseball series i'm sure there is um so that'll be fun it'll be fun to watch to see what they do again I never take a whole lot from spring games because um, spring games are what they are. You know, one both teams know exactly what each other is doing and they do all these funny things and try to have fun with it. But the game is for the fans. It's not really for the coaches. Practices are for the coaches. All right. Uh, I, I, I will get into Felipe Franks on the other side, but it's probably time for me to take a break and bring on Frank Franzi to talk about both the Jaguars and the Florida Gators. We'll talk to him after we take this break. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. A great pleasure to be joined by my old pal Frank Frangie from 1010XL, the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, uh, Obviously, there's been some news up there. Uh, what what is the? Of course, you you host your own radio show up there. What is kind of the vibe on radio about the hiring of Jay Gruden? Well, a lot of things, Pat. And thanks for having me on. By the way, always good to catch up with you. You're my boy from way back. Um, you know, uh, it just happened. I think the bigger picture, Pat, is the big vibe. Is people weren't sure what to expect. Thought the team was going to be pretty good this past year. One of the most honestly, Pat, the most bizarre season I've ever been around. I've done this a long time, like you have. I've done Jags games for six years. I've been in the business for 38 years, uh, radio for 32. This, is a, it's been, this has been a bizarre year. You sign the quarterback to $88 million, and he gets hurt on the 11th play. <laughs> You've got one, of the, you got one of the best defensive players in the league in Jalen Ramsey. He has it out with your front office and has to be traded. Um, 
you, this new rookie quarterback comes along and then there's all the mania. Then the other quarterback comes back and 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 isn't very good, so he gets benched. Meanwhile, half the defensive half of your defensive starters wind up getting hurt. It was one of the most bizarre seasons I've never seen anything like it. It, it, it was that weird of a season here. Tom Coughlin gets fired with three games left because yeah. he violates some NFLPA stuff. So, so I think people fans here, this team has lost seven out of eight years. It hasn't been good. Other than the early years, it hasn't been good really through much much of the tenure of the franchise. I think it's just been. I, th- I think fans now are in a cloud, if that makes any sense. I think a lot of people thought Dave Caldwell and Doug Barone, the GM and coach, were going to get fired. They did not. Personally, I'm glad they didn't because I like both guys. But but I understand that when when the noise is in the system, as they say, you don't know what's going to happen. So I gave you a big backdrop to get to the Jay Gruden thing. I think people are excited because they know who he is. You know, how fans are. Mm-hmm. If they've heard of you, they're excited about you. If they haven't heard of you, they're not excited about you. Well, he was a coach. He's, his last name is Gruden. He had he had an immense success as a coordinator in Cincinnati. Really kind of made Andy Dalton and AJ Green and got that team back to the playoffs, and they hadn't been forever. Uh, not so much success as a head coach of the Redskins. He had the one playoff year with Kirk Cousins, but they've struggled ever since. But I think fans are excited because it's something new, it's something different, and it's a name they know. I think that more than anything else. Yeah, it, there's no question about it. And, of course, uh, he was hamstrung a little bit in Washington. I don't think there's any question about that. What do you do, though, with Nick Foles now? Well, that, first of all, and, and I go back and forth with fans on this, I'm not convinced Nick is no good, Pat. He played two and a half games. Yeah. He got hurt 11 plays into the first game. He's out for eight games, nine games. He comes back. He's 28 of 39 for 296 yards, and and they give up 200 yards rushing, they lose. The next game, he's 27 of 38 for 275 yards, and they give up 200 yards rushing, and they lose. The next game against Tampa, he has a bad half, a really bad half, three turnovers. They yank him, and he never plays again. That's not much of a sample size, bro. I'm not convinced he's no good. I, I, don't, I don't believe that. So, um, But Minshew's starting to develop. You, you owe him a lot of money. You're not going to trade him. No one's going to take off the contract. Pat, I think both guys go to camp, and they fight it out. That's what I think is going to happen. That'll be certainly interesting. Um, you know, you and I have had some conversations about what's gone wrong with the Jaguars, and my theory has been that they got too much success at too young an age. A lot of young guys on that team, when they really hit it big there, obviously came within a breath of the Super Bowl. And right. it seemed it, it seemed like they didn't handle it well to me from afar. Now, you're around them all the time. Yeah. yeah. If, if you look at the history of the franchise, there's a lot of things, and that's one of them. It looked easy, didn't it? By year two, you're in the uh, you're in the playoffs in the AFC Championship game. By year five, you got one of the best teams in the league and probably should have been in the Super Bowl. Uh, you're in playoffs all those years. It looked easy. One thing that happened: they blew up the salary cap a little bit to get good. Remember, by '99, they were they were signing Carnell Lake and Hardy Nickerson and all these uh, the Bryce Pop and all these expensive veteran guys. So the cap got them. So they had to get some cap relief, and they didn't manage that very well. Then I think they made the the worst decision in franchise history is in 2000, whenever it was, Pat, mid-2004, 2005, somewhere there about, and the years run together. They Mark Brunel had three or four good years left, but they couldn't come to terms with an extension. It might have been earlier than that. Wayne Weaver said, if you don't, come, if, if you don't agree to this, we're going to draft a quarterback. The two sides do a line in the sand. Um, they got rid of Brunel and drafted Byron Leftwich. With that draft pick, they could have taken Terrell Suggs who would have been a great player, and maybe drafted Ben Roethlisberger the next year. But instead, they quit on Brunel, which was way too early. It was a horrible decision. 
I'm not sure the franchise pad has ever rebounded from that god-awful decision. They should have stayed with Brunel three or four more years, drafted defense, and rebuilt their roster. And instead, the the leftwich thing was a debacle, followed by the Blaine Gabbert thing being a debacle, followed by the Blaine, Ga- Blaine Bortles thing being a debacle. That's three quarterbacks they took in the top ten picks in the draft, and all three were busts. That's where I think it went wrong. The decision not to keep and extend Brunel and draft defense, I think that's where it all started going wrong. And honestly, bro, I don't think they've ever recovered from that. You know the worst draft pick Jacksonville ever made? Don, Dude, that's a pretty good list. Don Latimer. List. When they got Don Latimer from, uh, <laughs> for the uh, Jacksonville Bulls, that one never worked out. That didn't pan no, out didn't. very well for that. You, you, you go back to the Bulls, right? I mean, you don't go, go all the way back to the WFL and uh, the Sharks and yeah. the Express. Yeah. Let, let, let me tell you what I did back in the, in the 80s, okay? Well, and, and I do I remember the Shark and Express because I was a kid. Okay? I remember it as a kid in, in, in junior high and then high school. But let me tell you what I did in the morning when the Bulls were around. I woke up in the morning, I got coffee, I went and grabbed my Times Union, and I read Jacksonville Bulls beat reporter Pat Dooley's work. That's what I did. I don't know what you did. That's what I did back in the day, Pat. It was a, those are glorious memories for me. Dude, it was it was great for me, but the ba- main reason was I was the only te- guy covering the team. I was the only right. human being. So I would go out there, and they'd let me like watch practice and, and sit down with Lindy all the time, and I had right. free run of the, of the place. It was uh, – Kind of different than it is now. Uh, last <laughs> NFL say. question. I want to get to another couple things with with college and the Gators. Uh, okay. Who is who? Do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? Because I have no clue. Yeah, I, I think there's there's something special with what what Kansas City's doing. I, I think this is. I think this guy Mahomes is generational. I, I believe that. I mean, they're they're almost like the '90s Gators in that it didn't matter if you got behind seventeen to six to Kentucky because you were going to score 50 points, right? I mean, I thought the Spurrier Gators in the mid-'90s, I thought 10-point I thought, uh, deficits were comical, right, The uh, because they were just going to outscore and score and score and score. So I think I think Pat Mahomes is like that. I don't think it matters what the opponent does when he's healthy and that receiving core is healthy. It includes Demarcus Robinson, by the way, former Gators, yeah, yeah. their fourth guy. Uh, I think when they're healthy, Pat, they can outscore anybody. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I think they're going to win some more Super Bowls. He's only 24. Mahomes is 24 years old. Yeah. It's hard to believe that. So uh, They're kind of like LSU they're, they're, in that way. You know, you just feel like you can are. go ahead and score points, but you're not, you can't score enough. That's exactly right. And, the, and that, that's a good comparison. The difference is uh, Burrow and Brady are gone, and Andy Reid and Mahomes <laughs> are just getting started. So I think they're going to win a bunch. I really do. All right, so uh, obviously you've had, had a radio show there for a long time, and, I, and I've been on it many times, and it's always fun. Uh, I'm just guessing that today – as as big a story as the the Jaguars are, and as big a story as the hiring of Gruden is, you're probably going to get a few fire Mike White calls today, and, and I'm sure you get them just like I do. All these people that right. insist that he doesn't know what he's doing, even though they lost to a team that is now, by the way, 22 and two in the SEC the last two years. One of those right. losses coming to Florida, and then a loss of the tournament. But people don't see it that way. I mean, what's your take on where Florida is basketball wise right now? First of all, on Twitter, Pat. I, I see the first fire Mike White tweet when the opposing team makes a layup and it's two to nothing. That's okay, that's when the that's, that's when the fire Mike White tweets him. Look, I, I said what I said before. He's well, he's the second most NCAA tournament winning coach in the school's 120 year history. Okay, in their history, Billy Donovan won 35. He's second with five. That's ahead of Kruger with four and Norm Sloan with three. Uh, he's a good coach. He he gets good players to come there. 
there's some things he's got to figure out. He's not a perfect coach. Um, but this, guy, this guy's won five tournament games in the last three years. He's won an NCAA tournament game every year for the last three years. Florida's never had Florida's never been there before, other than the Billy years, and they weren't always there in the Billy years. It took Billy nine years to win a national championship, right? This guy's in his in his fifth year. So I think Florida fans, basketball fans, are a little bit unrealistic. I think I think the way people are down on Mike White is comical to me, Pat. I think it's it's the it's the Ronzo curse. It's the guy after the guy. You don't want it's the Will Muschamp curse. Don't be the guy after the guy. Now, I think Mike White's a, a really good basketball coach. I think they're going to win a lot of games. He's proven he can get elite players here. As for this year, so so I think that's a bunch of bunk the way people are all over Mike White. And I, you and I have had this talk offline. That's how I feel. As for this year's team, it's a weird collection of ages and sizes. Mm-hmm. The veteran guys and the more the more uh, hyped guys are all 6'5 and under other than Blackshear. So I thought they got caught too small too often. I think the emergence of pain will mitigate that. Now they've got two 6'10 guys. I would play pain, barring, barring foul trouble, I would pay pain, play pain and Blackshear together almost all the time. They both played 32-plus minutes against Auburn, and they, weren't, and they beat a really good team by 20 points. I think you've got to have that size. I think Payne's a rim protector, which Blackshear is not. I think Blackshear's a better player when Payne's in the game with him. He can shoot threes. He can get on the floor a little bit. Uh, I think he's a better rebounder. He had 16 rebounds against Auburn. That's his Florida high because Payne was in the game with him. I think you got to go big, and that means that either Keontae Johnson or Scotty Lewis, one of them are not going to be in the game. Well, that's okay. I think I think that's the mistake Mike White has made. He's because of this odd collection of ages and sizes, they've had to go small too much, and they catch themselves being small too much. Uh, I think the emergence of pain will help. Well, I think they're in good shape. Pat. They're twelve and six. They're four and two in the league. Uh, I think that 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 looks like a team that's going to go twelve and six in the league, or could. A team that can win 21 games or so and get a four or five seed, I think that's just fine. Before I let you go, though, I, want, I do want to ask you about football. You live in a Gator yeah. town, right? Uh, right? It's still a Gator town, no matter how much I mean, Georgia people no get in there. But um, are Gator fans too optimistic right now, too fired up about their, their chance to take, take down Georgia next year? Or are they not maybe seeing the forest no. for the trees? No, I don't think that. I, I, two thoughts on that. It's been a long time. Ten years in this day and age of college football. It's been ten years since they've been any good. So I think Florida fans deserve this. I love next year's team. Now, two, two parts of your question. If people assume Georgia's going away, that's a mistake. He has recruited great players. They have five-star after five-star. They're going to have the best defense in the league, possibly the country next year. They can really run. Uh, Zamir White's a really good running back. Obviously, Pickett is going to be one of the better receivers in the country, and everybody likes this guy, Jamie Newman, the quarterback that's transferring in. Georgia's going nowhere. Georgia's 10, 11, 12 wins every year now. So if you think Georgia's going away, if that's what you're asking, Pat, that's a mistake. But Florida, there's not much I don't like about this Florida team. I think Kyle Trask is going to have a huge year. I think Emory Jones will play some, but I think Kyle's the quarterback. I, I believe that. I think the fact that Kadarius – uh, Tony and, and Grimes both came back. It's huge. Those two guys and Copeland and Pitts, that's a really good receiving core. Most of that line is back. They probably have to find a running back or two to go with Pierce. Uh, they've got to replace some pieces on defense. Linebackers that would concern me a little. But, no, I think it's a really good team. I, I think it's – look, they just finished sixth, and a lot of guys are back. I think Florida has re-elevated itself into the semi-elite tier of college football. They're not the elite yet. The elite is – Alabama and Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State and maybe LSU if they stay in Oklahoma. Florida's one notch below that, but I mean, 
Pat, they're at the top of that next tier and knocking on the door. I think Florida fans should be very excited about where that thing did it. I really believe that. Yeah, really. You know what the elite is? The elite are teams that, that recruit in the top five for four straight years. That's, that's how you get, and Florida's got to get to that point. He yeah, is they're close. Yeah, they're they close are. They're really close. He is Frank Frangi. You know him from 1010XL Radio, of course, and the voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars. What a great pleasure talking to him. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Just to clean up some of the college football stuff, uh, Derek King goes to Miami. I think that is a good thing for Miami. Uh, you got a new coordinator. They'll, they'll come in together, try to figure things out. Does it scare you if you're a – and again, Florida doesn't play them, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, but if you're a FSU fan, if you're – fan of uh, anybody else in that conference, um, does that say, ooh, uh uh-oh, now Miami's got a quarterback? Well, he's very good, very talented, and we'll see what he can do with them. Uh, They they lost a lot defensively, too. You know, I I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Miami for next year because it's so new and everything. But the bigger story, of course, was Felipe Franks picking Arkansas as his school of destination. I was on a radio show in, I think I was on Sirius with, yeah, I was on Sirius with uh, Pat Bradley, who went to Arkansas, and he asked me on the show, what can we expect as Hog fans uh, from Felipe, for Felipe Franks going to Arkansas? And I said, it's going to be a love hate relationship, bro. And that's what it is. I mean, Felipe elicits that. It's like I, I compared him to. A girlfriend, a girl you start dating, and at times that girl, man, you just think you're in heaven, and you you may even want to marry her, and then you break up because it's just not going well. And then after about six months, you come back and go, oh, you know, why don't we get back together? We it's Jerry and Elaine is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just he elicits a lot of negative thoughts, but there's a lot of positives. And I will say this. Felipe Franks was a leader of that team. He was the alpha dog Mullen was looking for, and those guys loved him on that team. And he loved them. And I hate to see that he has to leave, and obviously he wasn't going to play next year. I get why he's leaving. And uh, good luck to him. Arkansas doesn't play Florida. I think that may have even weighed into his decision. Um, I think for Felipe, and people keep saying, why Arkansas? They're going to stink. Yeah, they are. And and you aren't going to make a difference, Felipe. It's not your fault, but they don't have – it, the players around them, and now they're getting used to a first-time head coach, uh, it's not going to go well for Arkansas, one wouldn't think. But, um, you know, at the same time, you're in the SEC. You don't have to go too far from home, although it's a pretty good haul to Fayetteville. You, uh, you kind of get away from the spotlight that you, that's been on you your entire career that was sometimes uncomfortable um, you get to play in the SEC, which you probably was important to you. You know what the SEC is like, and you know how great it is. Um, and you get to play. He might have looked at the schedule. I don't know. This uh, my, me guessing. You get to play at Notre Dame this year, and then you get to play. Continue to play teams like Alabama, LSU. I think Tennessee's on their schedule this year. 
So in a lot of ways, and, and oh, here's another thing. You're going to be the starter, okay, because they, they don't have much. So I, I, I see it makes sense when you really think it through why he decided to go uh, to Arkansas. And uh, good luck to him. I mean, I never had any problem with Felipe. I got along pretty decent with him. But, uh, I look, he was his maturity level was an issue his whole career. You know, blocking all these people on Twitter and stuff. Just don't go on it. Or just, you know, don't read anything. I, I know it's easy. It's easy for me to say that. I, I get sometimes, I get depressed sometimes reading everything. I mentioned earlier I blocked some people just because I didn't want to, I don't want to deal with them anymore. I don't want to deal with their negativity. And there's so much negativity out there with all fan bases. I know sometimes I make fun of the Gator fans and talk about how nobody suffers winning like Gator fans, but it, it's with all fan bases. This is the one I've been exposed to for 30, well, 32 years plus plus and then as a you know as a kid growing up certainly exposed to it as a student going here certainly exposed to it so i know this this fan base i i get this fan base it I, it happens everywhere i get that but it can be tough it's not going to be that way at arkansas you think anybody's going to go man this felipe franks was a bust no they hey we, we had felipe franks for a while he's a pretty cool guy everybody seemed to like him all right there's your football. We'll get to the NFL in a just a minute, although uh, I'm going long again. Dang it, Pat. All right, here we go. <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Hall of Fame. Derek Jeter got in. One guy didn't vote for him. I don't know if by the time you listen to this, you may know who that person. He may have been exposed in the dark secret. Oh, gosh, I don't know what we're going to do. Whatever. If you didn't vote for Derek Jeter, that's your prerogative. You get to vote. If you voted for Pat Paulson for president back in the 60s, you have a right to make that vote, right? It was stupid and it wasn't even it wasn't very responsible, but you still have that right. It's the same way with this. If you didn't want to vote for him, now if you didn't vote for him because you didn't want him to be unanimous because you felt like there should only be one unanimous, and that is Mariano Rivera. I don't know. look. I think he should have been unanimous. I think Jeter should have. I think Babe Ruth should have been. Was it? I think Hank Aaron should have been unanimous. I mean, there's a lot of guys that should have been unanimous. There's always been these fuddy duddies who don't want to vote. But who cares? You're in the Hall of Fame. It's not going to say next year. Well, maybe it does next year. Black the percentage of votes you got, but. You're in, man. That's all that really matters. People are going to make way too big a deal out of this. I'm, I'm curious. But look, I'm very curious as to why. Very curious as to why, what the reasons were. But I certainly would not vilify this guy. Unless he came out and said, um, you know, something racist or something like that or just something awful. Um, now, the big story, Larry Walker got in. Larry Walker sent out a tweet saying he was going to come up short. He was paying way too much attention to those uh, polls that are done. And the polls, those guys do a good job. But the trouble is people who reveal their votes do it because they want you to know what they're voting. People who don't want you to know who they're voting for and against and leaving out the ballot don't want to reveal it. And that is why um, – you know, Larry Walker was afraid it was he was going to be right on the on the number and maybe just fall just short, and tweeted that out. But he gets in good. I you know Larry Walker was a really good player. I, it's all a famer. I, I don't. I'm not that 
close to the Colorado Rockies or, you know, I don't know that much about, didn't he play for the Expos? I don't even know. Okay. So there, there you have my expertise on Larry Walker. I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's great when people get to go in, uh, but I do have a problem with Barry Bonds and Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling fell short. Schilling just barely fell short. Uh, they only have two years left on the ballot and, the question is whether they get in or not. I kind of am happy Barry Bonds doesn't get in. Uh, not not as much because Barry Bonds um, was a you know was doing steroids and his head blew up, and you know he got stronger and stronger and started he became he became the greatest player in, in the history of baseball. But he cheated to do it. Okay, but he still did. You got to a point where you were you were better off walking in with the bases loaded than pitching to him. I'm that I don't know how many guys can ever say that that was the case, but he and Clemens cheated, and I guess Schilling, you know, the political stuff is part of why he isn't getting in. I I think he's a borderline Hall of Famer anyway. Obviously, Clemens and Bonds are not, but it's just going to be interesting over these next two years to see if if any of those guys gets in, and if they do, then what. You know, where, where does it go from there? Uh, it, does that now open the door for Sosa, Palmero, people like that? And I think that's why a lot of people don't vote for them. They don't want to open that door because then they've got to start voting for people that they know cheated. Um, and, of course, Pete Rose doesn't get in again. Oh, I was going to say, the reason I don't like Barry Bonds is because he was a jerk to me, and he's been a jerk to almost everybody he's ever met uh, in the media, and uh, look, I take it personally when you do that. Sorry, that's me. Now, I don't have a vote, so it doesn't really matter what I think. Um, and of course, I, I mentioned P. Rose didn't get in, which I'm not surprised at. You know, it, this is all Pete's fault, okay? In my opinion, betting on baseball is the cardinal sin, it really is. Right up, it's not right up there with stealing signals, but electronically. But it is a cardinal sin, and um, you know. But his response at the time, his responses since have—I don't think they've set well with anybody in baseball, and that includes the baseball writers. Uh, anyway, I, should Pete Rose be in the Hall of Fame? Man, I see it both ways. I hate to sound wishy-washy, but I totally. It's hard to believe that the hits all-time hits leader is not in, but I kind of get why he's not in. But if they put him in, would it bother me? Not really. It, it really would. So I don't really care that much. I think it's what I'm trying to say. All right, we got to get going here. Super Bowl. I don't think enough credit's given to John Lynch, who when he became general manager of the 49ers, everybody's like, what the heck's that all about? He was doing TV. Why is he doing that? He put together a pretty good team. Great to see uh, Kyle Shanahan, of course, know Mike very well. Uh, when he was here at Florida, came in that 1980 game, man. He went with that four wides and totally screwed George up. Unfortunately, Florida forgot to cover Lindsey Scott. Uh, but he did a great job, and he was you know, very close to getting – obviously, he could have had the Florida job when Spurrier left but chose not to follow the guy. Um, and – you know, I don't know how if he was ever really serious, but they were serious about talking to him. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened uh, then. 
Um, Demarcus Robinson, as, as mentioned earlier, is uh, in the game. Demarcus Robinson, it's funny because people act like Demarcus Robinson was nothing when he was at Florida. Uh, I seem to remember the Kentucky game. That was pretty big. Uh, but also, I, I kind of, uh, kind of, I looked up his stats. His last two years, which were his sophomore and junior years, he had 100 catches for no, with nine touchdowns. That's pretty good. 100 catches in two years with nine touchdowns? That's pretty good. The trouble was he was on a awful, god-awful team the, the, the uh, last year of Muschamp and the first year of um, – of Coach McElwain when they were actually pretty good, um, and he he did okay, you know. So he caught I think forty five passes that year. So he, did, he you know he was a really nice receiver here. Would he get any mention on any kind of all time teams? Would he be in the top one hundred? Like I'm curious. I'm I'm always been curious because in 06 we did the top one hundred Gator players. It was a hundred year Gator football. We did the top one hundred Gator players. Gator players. I told you a bunch of stories about them complaining about where they were or not on the list or should have been on the list. That list would be really interesting to do now because since then they won two national championships and had so many great players. Where would you do? What would you do with Demarcus Robinson? No, nah, he wouldn't make that list. He'd make the second hundred list probably. So, um, all right. I'm, I was going to get into this whole good old boys network in the NFL uh, with. Uh, the Giants hiring Brett Bielema and Freddie Kitchens, but I don't have enough time to do that. I'll save it for somewhere else. Uh, that's just crazy. All right, let's uh, do three things. It's time for three things. Number one on three things is this. I saw Dennis Dodd wrote a column where he had three uh, – Three, I think it was three different companies. Here's their plan for the NLI, which is, of course, the name, likeness, and image, which is still nowhere near to being done, what they're going to do with that. I wonder if seniors who play college football this year will ever see a dime of that money. But uh, this is it, – it's legislation that is going through in all these different states. They're trying to – they'd like to have it one national law that um, – that would make it easier so the NCAA doesn't have to enforce it. Um, and the NCAA has basically admitted we screwed up. We should have we should have been on top of this. Instead, we let it, we waited until it got to the point where the um, obviously government got involved, and now we have to deal with it. And we we don't want to deal with it, and we hate dealing with it, and we still don't think you should get any money. But we get we're gonna have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> that I think that was in a memo. Uh, actually, it wasn't. But I saw this one. One the first one. This again. Talk the. God, there's got to be a better cliche than Pandora's box. We somebody ma- mailed me a really good. Uh, you know, just a good way of saying Pandora's box because I don't. I'm tired of saying Pandora's box, but it does open up a Pandora's box. This company was going to pay out players, and we'll 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 set, we'll do it for you. We'll set it up. We'll take in money uh, for the these uh, you know autograph sessions, and then we'll pay out. And here's the, the scale we have: quarterbacks get this much. The, you know, down to offensive guards and strong safeties get two percent. And I'm like, whoa, that that's not going to work. Uh, yeah, John, you're t- you're starting at strong safety. We were going to play you at free safety, but. You know, you, you we got this other guy. We want to see how he plays. Whoa, 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 whoa! 
You stopped me from 2% to, from 4% on my payment. No, 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 we're not doing that. I'm not playing that position. Um, you're playing right guard instead of right tackle. No, you can't do that to me. I can't afford it. That's the kind of stuff, and that's why this, this thing is a total mess. Number two, and it won't get resolved soon. Number two, uh, belated happy birthday to Jack Nicholas. Turned 80 uh, yesterday. I watched that the Nicholas thing again. Uh, on uh, the golf channel which was unbelievable how good it was it, you know it takes me back to my childhood when it was jack and arnie and then it was jack and tom and it was jack and whoever you know whoever you wanted to bring throw at him he was willing to take him on and watching that i'm telling you you want to take your 10 year old son or daughter uh and sit them in front of a tv and make them watch it and you find out how a guy becomes a champion you find out the mindsets it, it is I, you, I could watch that thing a hundred times. It's kind of like with the Manning uh, thing that they did the 20 for 20 with, uh, or not 30 for 30. When, was it a 30 for 30 or an SEC production? I don't know, either one. When you watch that, you go, oh, I get I get why the Mannings are all really good. I get it now. The same thing with Nicholas, with this thing on Nicholas. You see it. You, you understand why that he had the confidence, but he also knew how to do things to make himself feel going into the tournament he was ready to win it. And it's it's really fascinating, and happy birthday to Jack. He's actually helped our golf tournament several times, sending down signed um, flags and stuff like that, so and we appreciate that. Finally, number three, on a sad note, and we always get sad notes, it feels like, around here. I don't know if I'm just getting to the, that so old that friends are dying, and in some case uh, celebrities are dying, Um Terry Jones, of course, was in Monty Python, just died today. He was um, he had dementia. He was 77, and uh, Terry Jones began part of that, which was, I mean, The Holy Grail is still one of my favorite movies. And um, Sometimes you go back and you watch old, old um, versions of Monty Python, and you're kind of like, it's not as funny as I remember it, but back then you got to remember the context of it, what was on TV, and this was coming from England. It was, it, yeah, it shaped a lot of people's careers. Anyway, that's sad. And also David Clymer, who was a columnist for the Tennessean, had a battle with cancer, and he passed away this week. And uh, a lot of us in the media, we've, we've had some tough blows, you know, lately, as you know. And, uh, that again, we just found out that Ed Ashoff uh, turned out had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in his lungs and no symptoms, but when they did the biopsy, that's what – the problem was and that just blows you away when you hear that at least it gives you a little bit of an explanation but it's just crazy um but dave Clymer was another guy like ed an older version of ed and that he was just a great guy and never had a crossword for anybody and you could sit there and and talk to him and he would he would give you whatever you needed and and really never asked for anything else. We, he was on several of the radio shows I've done over the past few years. Heck, he might have been on this podcast. I don't even remember. But Dave was a really good guy. I wasn't real close with him like some of the guys up there are. But he was a terrific guy. And I think we all certainly miss him. And unfortunately, feels like we've been on a run with this. At any rate, let me get out of here. I will uh, be back next week with another podcast and uh, appreciate everybody for listening into this one this is pat dooley i'm the sports columnist of the gainesville sun i am deep i am way back and i am out of here
Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. And by Vistar Credit Union, with locations across Gator Country. Visit ViStarCU.org. And the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars.